What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Plant Remedy Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chef Bay. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. I appreciate each and every one of you for, you know, opening your podcast app or whatever you listen to your podcast on and hitting play on our episodes. It means honestly the world to me and I'm so, so appreciative. Um, today we are doing part two of our two-part series with the God Health MD, also known as Dr. B. Um, yeah, our last podcast episode was one of the most listened to episodes that we've had so far on this show. And that's so exciting. So it's cool to know that you guys are just as into gut health as I am. And it's cool to see how many people are starting to be into gut health. And uh, yeah, this is just such an amazing book that Dr. B has just launched. Um, It's called Fiber Fueled. And if you haven't listened to part one, hit pause and go back and listen to part one first so that you can listen to part two. Um, Yeah, his book is officially now out in the world. So if you want to get your hands on Fiber Fueled, go to anywhere you normally get your books or preferably your local bookstore. Help out the small guys right now and uh, yeah, grab a copy of Fiber Fueled. In this episode, we talk a lot about the gut health food fads, so everything from probiotics, uh, what's the deal with bone broth, Um, we talk about even kombucha, sauerkraut, right, like all of these super food fads um, that are supposedly quote-unquote good for your gut, and uh, we talk about the science behind it, what's real, what's not real, and uh, it'll give you a really good perspective on, you know, what to actually buy when you're going to the grocery store and kind of what to make for your gut and when. He even talks about, you know, the seasons and uh, what's good for your gut during different seasons, and so this is a really awesome, informative podcast, and we talk a ton about food because y'all know I love me some food. Um, So yeah, we also, so my, my little recording thing was set to record the second our meeting started because I've been doing these uh, online cooking classes, virtual cooking classes. If you guys want to do a virtual cooking class with me, um, head over to my website. But anyway, uh, so I've had it on record. So I kind of started recording um, kind of on accident our our conversation when we first got on. Usually I'll just, you know, to my guests, I'll be like, hey, what's up? How are you? Before we start recording. And uh, this was recording the whole time. So I thought it would be a little interesting to show you our pre-conversation, our pre-podcast talk, where we kind of talk about like getting trolled on the internet and some things that are happening right now with events in the world and how, you know, Dr. B kind of deals with that. And we kind of talk about a little bit of the vegan culture and how we all need to work together a little bit more. So um, this podcast is going to be a little different than all the other ones where I literally just throw us into the middle of a conversation so you guys can kind of hear a little snippet of that before we get into the podcast. I think it's really interesting um, and I've had a, a good time recording with Dr. B. We've had some fun in these last two episodes. So um, yeah, I wanted you to get a little slice of that as well. If you know anyone that would love this episode, please, please, please share with them. 
help us get the word out about this amazing book, Fiber Fueled, and this podcast episode. And as always, uh, please subscribe, leave us a review. Appreciate the support so much, you guys. Helps us get this podcast out to more people who need it the most. So without further ado, I'm just going to throw us on into this conversation. I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. And uh, congratulations again to Dr. B on the release of his first book called Fiber Fueled. Welcome back to the show. No, it's going to be okay. It's just going to, the people need to chill out, stop yelling at each other, take care of their gut, buy my book, and, you know. Read it, and then talk it, to me. <laughs> and then come talk to me, and then we'll figure out how much longer we got on this thing. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. It was the perfect segue. So, um. Are we recorded right now? We should include that. That was really good. We are recording. <laughs> okay, we got to include that. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I think it's really important, like the raw conversations that aren't like super edited or whatever, like this is real stuff right now. And it's nice. This is just nice and refreshing to talk to you because I feel like we're, you know, energetically a little bit on the same page, which is nice, especially after getting trolled on the internet all morning. I was like, my fiance, Steve was like, dude, put your phone away. I was like, these people, (laughs) like what's happening here, you know? So yeah. Well, you and I, you and I could talk uh, offline about how to handle trolls. I'm more than happy to teach you what I've learned through the years. Yeah, definitely. So I have a proprietary sure. strategy that I use that is highly effective, and I actually start to enjoy it, which is the important thing because the troll zaps your energy. They take the life out of you. I know. They make you want to quit Instagram, and so, but when you have a strategy that reinvigorates you and makes you say, "Look, they don't command power on my account." No. You don't, they don't command power in my account. And that's, that's, that's what we need to do. So I'll get you set up. I got a proprietary strategy. It's like, it's as secret as the Coca-Cola formula. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, no, I could really use that because it's interesting enough. Like you said, like the people that troll me the most are other vegans where I'm like, you guys give vegans a bad rep. Like, can't we all just like be cool with each other? Like we're all fighting the same fight. that's That's the part that drives me nuts is like, I'm like, guys, we gotta see the forest through the trees. Mm-hmm. right we, we need to help each other what are we trying to accomplish we're all trying to accomplish the same thing so when we yell at each other mm-hmm. do we accomplish anything or do we make people be like "Ooh, gosh i don't want to be a part of that like <laughs> that's, a, that's a cluster i know right? like, the cluster where they're like climbing all over each other and trying to kill each other yelling at people about dead right. body parts and stuff i can't do it it's so bad <laughs> Okay. Anyway, let's like circle since we're already kind of talking about food and veganism. I loved the recipe section of your book, by the way. There's a ton of recipes on there. Yeah. Like a ton. I was like so super surprised. surprised? Yeah. Yeah. I like had no, I had no idea just because I thought it was a book about like, you know, learning about my gut and like fiber. And then all of a sudden it's just like recipe after recipe after recipe after recipe. And you even had a matcha latte recipe in there, which really like, you know, it, it, hit, it hit all the spots for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I, so, so first of all, for the people listening at home, I did not develop the recipes myself. I wish I were that talented. I'm not. <laughs> um, I, I did write the sauerkraut recipe. Yeah, you did. That's in the fermentation chapter. That was me. 
Mm-hmm. And I wrote the recipe for how to grow your own, how to grow your own broccoli sprouts. That was me. So I made some right here. He's got some broccoli sprouts right hey, behind me. Nice. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're looking as shaggy as my hair did a couple of days ago. Well, the, my ones, the ones in the front are sunflower. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's like kind of like what my haircut looked like. And then my mother, I asked my mother-in-law, and I was like, Mimi, will you will you give me a cut? And she's like, sure. And she got these clippers. She had never used them before. And she's like, zing. <laughs> it's like right here. I don't know if you guys can see, but it's like right there. Yeah. So anyways. Quarantine cuts. Hashtag. <laughs> I got a quarantine cut. And, you know, I, I don't know what message she was trying to deliver. I did hear her murmur something about my daughter. And I was like, zing. I must have done something wrong. I must have done something wrong. So that's her payback she's been waiting for for like three years now. Oh man, I am imperfect. So <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, so we have we have close to eighty recipes. We have close to eighty recipes. We have we have recipes like basically the meal plan is four weeks, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. You have mm-hmm. the like shopping list at the beginning of the week. You can literally take your shopping list to the supermarket to pick up everything that you need. Um, we have, um, every week, like a special beverage, a special snack and a special dessert. And so, Hey, <laughs> I love my addiction it. to matcha is like super real. I bought a kilo sized bag from my matcha company for like, not mine. Maybe one day I'll have a matcha company, but a kilo yeah. sized bag a kilo like literally the bag was like th- this big huge oh it was God. like 160 bucks but it lasted me a whole year it's totally worth it i thought i liked matcha and you just destroyed me <laughs> you just destroyed me i'm nothing i'm like uh i'm like on the freshman team and you're the captain of the of the varsity squad <laughs> literally that is incredible yeah, I'm I'm like a real team player with the matcha here. I'm like, uh, what size is that? Is that like a 64 ounce matcha glass you got? Right there? <laughs> no, I think it's like a 32 ounce. <laughs> yeah. But I like I make my own cashew milk in it and stuff. Wait, what? It's amazing how two kilos or, or a kilo, 2.2 pounds, lasted you for a full year. And I'm like, I'm doing the math, and I'm like, dang, man, you must be having like five or six matchas a day for a whole year to get through a kilo. Well, I do like whenever people come over, they like people when I have friends visit from San Francisco and stuff like they're always like you have to make matcha like at least twice a day and I make at least two every day for me and Steve. So and I cook with it too. So I love matcha. I love the earthiness of it. It just like it. I just made matcha popsicles like breakfast popsicles because it's getting really hot here. So so yeah, you know, there's all we could hold different podcasts all about matcha, but we'll we just, just like, do like a full hour on matcha. <laughs> and you should do a cookbook that's just like exclusively matcha. Just the colors. Matcha. Well, the color, I mean, it's the best green. You can't beat it. It's the best green. I know. And that's how you know when you have a shitty matcha is when it, it's brown or when it like not brown, but it's like that green brown, you know? Like when you make a yeah. smoothie that's like weirdly brown and you like don't know if you want to drink it. Like <laughs> like it's like that color. Yeah. Um so anyway, circling back to your book, what's your favorite recipe? Oh man. Um, or like top three. Oh, gosh. All right. So, all right. All right. So let me say this. I, um, I, I don't think this will come as a, I don't think this will come as a surprise. I'm not a believer in bone broth. I was going to ask you about that was like on my third question. Okay. So let's just so, talk now about it. 
Well, there's there. Let me tell you, you guys, if if you want to dig into the research of bone broth, I have good news for you. It will take you less than a second because <laughs> there, there are no studies, not even one, not even one study. So you don't have to worry about spending hours. You know, like when I wrote the gluten section of the book, I spent like days reading gluten articles. Yeah. To out what the heck was going on with gluten? Like I wanted to give people, I didn't walk into it like, hey, I need to say, I need to figure out the studies that say this. I walked into it like, let me have an open mind and let me see what the studies say. What's actually going on? Yeah. Let me see what's actually going on. Let me immerse myself in this research, figure out what the deal is, and I'll write that into the book. But here's the beautiful thing. You want to immerse yourself in bone broth research? <laughs> oh, oops. Already done. Oops. Like already finished. There's nothing. It took less than a second. Poof. So why is there such a craze about bone broth? Bone broth? Because I even know that like I've had clients, doctors be like, well, they're saying that like I need to drink bone broth. I'm like, I could just can't go plant-based. So like, what's up with that? Why is it so like, why is it so popular? Why do people think that they need it to survive? All right, I will, I will tell you the argument that they will make, but I personally like, and I'm not, I'm not here to like literally call out, you know, the bazillion people who are out there claiming <laughs> that bone broth is good for the gut. But I guess I kind of am calling them out in the sense that I think it's an indictment. I think it's an indictment. I think it says that if you are out there like really pushing bone broth, but you're not having conversation about short chain fatty acids and fiber and the effect that that has on the gut, then you're not really actually looking at the research Yeah. because there, there are no studies to support bone broth. And we have like a bazillion studies showing us how important fiber is for gut health. Right. right? Like it's kind of weird to me. I, I mean, I honestly feel strange about the fact that I'm writing like people are like, there are so many gut health books. I'm like, how are there so many gut health books? And there's no gut health book about fiber. How's that possible? The entire point, the entire point is you need fiber. Like mm -hmm. any gut health study you actually look at will say that. They all say that. So, so anyway, I, I guess the point from my perspective when it comes to bone broth is like, why are we opting for something that has no science to back it up? When we have so many things that are strongly supported by a wealth of science, strongly supported by a wealth of science. Why are we wasting our time on the stuff that you don't even have a single study? Yeah. You, the argument that they will make is that, oh, it's got glycine and glycine is good for the gut. Okay. When you take like these rat studies, you find stuff. That's true of so many things. When you do like rat studies or like test tube studies, you mm -hmm. find stuff. Mm -hmm. You always need to confirm those studies in humans. This yeah. is not, we're, we're not eating individual really components, right? Like you're not drinking a cup of EGCG. Mm. You're drinking a matcha latte. It's real food. It happens to contain EGCG. It contains other things too. Yeah, exactly. Right? So yeah. we're not eating components. We're eating food. Show me what happens when a person eats food. Show me what happens to a person's symptoms. It's so simple. Mm -hmm. You know, if this is a billion dollar industry, take literally a couple thousand bucks and line up <laughs> just two. <laughs> yeah. Line up a couple, take a couple thousand bucks, line up a yeah. hundred people who have IBS, uh -huh. give 50 of them bone broth and give 50 of them veggie broth and show me that the bone broth does better than the veggie broth. 
I would make an argument. I, I, I believe that the veggie broth will actually do better. Yeah. There, is, there are studies, not with gut health, there are other studies with broth-based beverages in different situations, for example, with the immune system. Mm -hmm. And the, the researchers suspected actually that the reason why people got better was actually the veggies that were in the broth. So the only evidence that we have with the bone is that it, it leaches heavy metals. So the only evidence that we have raises concerns that you could be like sending yourself for heavy metal toxicity by drinking bone broth. So why, why are we doing it? So anyway, I mean, you're I right. Could, I could say why though, because I mean, I, now I'm thinking like way back to like 10 years ago, my culinary school days and bone broth, there's a couple reasons why we would make stock, right? The first reason would be to infuse flavor and like fat and, you know, all sorts of things that don't make you feel great, but make things taste better. And the second reason is to use something that would no, not be used. So trying to do like a more low waste kitchen, but when you're looking at from like the meat production side of things, they have all these bones that need to be used to be sold, to make more money off of. So right. And I was just, I just started watching Mad Men. I'm way late to the train on that one. But like the first episode is him trying to convince, like they got in a bunch of trouble for cigarettes saying that it's healthy for you. And so now they're trying to figure out like how they can convince people to still smoke cigarettes, even though everybody knows it's unhealthy for them. And I'm yeah. kind of thinking almost in the same sense of like with the meat industry, you know, that's like a lot of pounds of a, a product that they're like, shit, we need to find something to do with this. Let's market bone broth as being healthy for you. So the same is true with collagen, right? <laughs> I mean, you basically can lump them in together. Collagen yeah. supplements are a billion dollar industry. We have zero studies for gut health, zero studies. So, and I, I actually totally agree with you. You know, we're never going to be able to prove it, but I, I feel the same way, which is that if I were the CEO of a, you know, livestock uh, company, all right, if I had all these cows that basically I was providing meat, mm -hmm. I would want something, I would want to do something that generates profit off of the bones and off of the ligaments and the joints. Yeah, I would want to do that. Mm -hmm. And convincing people that this does something is powerful. But, you know, how is it that this became so pervasively a part of gut health? It, I, I can't understand it. You don't even have a single study. It just, it, it indicts the people who are pushing this, particularly the ones who are medical doctors, because we're trained to, to practice evidence-based medicine. And you are abandoning evidence-based medicine in favor of something that has zero evidence. So... So going back to your original question, you asked me what are my favorite recipes. I like the oh, Yeah, that was the original question. Yeah. Yeah. We diverted way off the path there. Whoa. Okay. We were like walking aimlessly in the woods for a couple minutes. Yeah. And then we found our way back to the path. Um, so I, I like the wild biome broth. Mm. I honestly believe the wild biome broth is what bone broth should be, which is that it's rich in, in polyphenols and antioxidants. Mm. And because it's derived from, from plants. Yeah. And well, so, I, have to, I have to look up that recipe. Like I was on a panel, um, a few weeks ago and the thing they asked me, they were like, what's the, like, if someone had no idea what they were doing and wanted to just like better support their health in their kitchen, like what's the one thing they could do? And I was like, honestly, the one thing you could do is just save your veggie scraps and create a, a vegetable broth. Like exactly. 
so simple. It's yes. good for you. It's soothing. It's like the best way to add flavor to cooking grains and like sauteing without oil and stuff. It's just like so simple. So I'm so glad you touched on that because I'm a big believer in that. And and there is, and just also to be clear, like full disclosure, I'm sure there's people who are listening who are like, yeah, but when I drink bone broth, I feel good. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I, I'm not doubting that. And I'm not saying that it's necessarily a placebo effect. I'm saying that you would get that from any warm, electrolyte-rich liquid. You would get that from yeah. veggie broth. You would get that from the matcha latte that you're drinking. I'm feeling no. damn good after this matcha latte <laughs> too. <laughs> exactly. I, everyone, okay, guys, you, you're like hearing this and you're all going to run out and buy matcha latte or buy matcha. <laughs> and if you do that, buy fiber fueled at the same time, okay? If you're yeah. going to fill up your Amazon been with matcha get my book too it's on brand it's all the same color so it, it works <laughs> great point great point it's on brand um i i dig uh the rainbow bowl okay um so the rainbow bowl is a like thai based dish which has a grain so you, you can do like whatever grain you choose many times in our family we'll opt for farro I like like a gummy, like hearty green. I love farro, yeah. So we'll do farro and then you cover it and it's got all these colors. It's got purple cabbage. It's got red peppers. Like, I don't know. For me, in terms of the beauty of a plant, I think I might put purple cabbage number one. Like it's such a beauty. When you cut into it, it's just so easy on the eyes. What do you think? What's your favorite? What's my favorite vegetable or plant? No, any, so any plant in terms of it just being beautiful. Of it just being, I think watermelon radishes are like so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I like daikon radishes in general. Like there's so many different colors of them. It's, it's honestly mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm in, I found this purple cabbage last year at the farmer's market that I literally borderline fought a girl over and we decided to have them cut it in half for us because it was the last one. But like she was a chef too. And I was like, no, 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 no. I need this cabbage. And it was like a, a purple cabbage meets, I don't even know what kind of cabbage it was. I swear it was this own separate heirloom variety, but it was not round. It was kind of like huge and oval and like really leafy. But when you cut it open, it was like totally tie dye on the inside. It was just like, it was gorgeous. So I totally know what you mean with the cabbage and cabbage you can turn into so many other things. Do you realize how many people would pay great money to be hanging out in that farmer's market to see that fight? It would be hilarious. (laughs) A fight just broke out between two chefs over a head of cabbage. Like, how awesome would that be? I know, and it literally got to the point where the farmer, and I know him pretty well, he was like, okay, I'll just cut it in half. And we just looked at each other like, yeah. (laughs) Now everyone's best friends. Just cut it in half. Because it's not like we were going to use it to cook for someone else. We were just like selfishly wanting it for ourselves, you know? Like, yeah. I didn't want to give it to anybody else. So this rainbow bowl, we, it comes with a peanut sauce. Mm, I love a good and, peanut sauce. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And then what I'll do is, I, I like hot stuff. So I like spicy. So mm. I'll, I'll hit it with some sriracha. Mm. Pretty, pretty hard. Yeah. And um, Do you guys have sprouts out there? The grocery pretty- store? No. No. Oh, it's this like grocery store chain. I think it's just on the West Coast, but they have this organic sprouts brand, Sriracha, that's like blows the regular Sriracha out of the water. Mm. So, just wondering, have you try nice. it? But 
Yeah. Yeah. So like, okay. So we were just talking about cabbage. So I kind of want to, I was going to talk to you about kind of like all these things are promoted to support your gut health since, you know, I like to talk about food. So the first thing I was going to ask you was bone broth. We already like dealt with that. So I'm glad we got that out of the way. So let's talk about like sauerkraut and uh, kimchi because I love both of those things and they're also in your book. So I'd love to talk about that. Yeah. All right. So I, there's a little bit of a backstory. I started to become very interested in gut health around probably 2014, 2015. Mm -hmm. I started to work it into my practice. So what, what got you interested in gut health to begin with? I started transitioning towards a plant-based diet. So I kind of talk about in the book, and I think you and I probably talked about this before, that I, I had gained 50 pounds. I had an anxiety issue, high blood pressure. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I needed a way out, and I discovered a plant-based diet. And so I, as in my reading on a plant-based diet, I start discovering the connection between a plant-based diet and our gut microbiome. And feeling like, gosh, there's this like really special relationship yeah. between our microbes and our food, but particularly our microbes and fiber. And so it got me really excited and I started getting into the, these ideas of gut health that ultimately started to formulate into plans that you now find in the book. And um, along that path, I was always very curious about fermented food, but I never had been one to really eat it. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, what's the deal with that stuff? And one day a patient comes into my office and basically is talking about how fermented food changed his life. So he, and he makes a recommendation um, for a book and it's called The Art of Fermentation by Sandor Katz. And so I went and I picked up this book. It's by the way, a James Beard award-winning book. I went and I picked it up almost immediately. And um, it was, it was like, it got me so excited. And one of the things that he does in the book is he's just like very opposed to giving you a recipe. He's very into instead like giving you the ideas and then having you experiment to find what works for you. I love that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so anyway, I decided to make sauerkraut because he talks a lot about sauerkraut in the book. I decided to do this. Now, by the way, for you guys at home, the best time to make sauerkraut, like you think about sauerkraut, it's like, oh, um, that's like Germany and Poland and stuff like that. So it's like my Eastern European heritage is like automatically. Yeah, I'm Polish too. Hey. Pierogies for life, man. Nice. Mm -hmm. So um, the ideal time to make sauerkraut is when it's cold out. Yeah. So I decided to go for it. And I, I, I believe though it was like springtime. And I put this jar in our kitchen and it was like sitting there on the counter. And every single day, my wife and I would <laughs> like go and kind of like, what the heck is going on in there? Right. Is there just party happening in that jar? <laughs> and, yeah, and there's like stuff happening and it's changing and it's bubbling. Like after two days, it's like bubbling like crazy. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, which was really, I mean, I think it's kind of cool. It's so cool. So um, anyway, like two weeks passed. And my wife was super skeptical. She's like, what are we doing with the sauerkraut on our kitchen counter? And it's so, it defies our logic of food because it's sitting on your counter. It's not in the fridge. Mm -hmm. It's so weird. And so, but I was like, you know what? 
like I came home from work one day. I was like, you know what, babe, I'm going for it. Like, I'm just, I'm just going to do it. And I jammed a fork into it and I <laughs> took a bite. And I think my wife thought that I was going to like, you know, have a seizure and froth at the mouth. And I took a bite and I was like, dang, this is good. Like it lights up my mouth. It, it's like electric in the mouth. Mm-hmm. It is a unique flavor that you will not find anywhere else. There's Tingled no other way to back here. Like, yeah. On the jaw. Yeah. So good. And it was, and it was so different than the sauerkraut that I remember from my childhood, which I never liked because this was very crunchy, like a salad. Mm. It was not the soggy stuff. And so, and I'm like, you know, like, dang, this is so good. And so I kept eating it. And then the next day I went back and I kept eating it. And finally my wife became so curious that she had to try it. <laughs> and that created a disaster, a total disaster because she became like addicted to sauerkraut. You know, other people have their addictions. My wife, it was sauerkraut. Oh my God. I love that. You couldn't stop eating it. And I couldn't keep up and make enough of it. I got a big Polish crock. It was like, you know, like two gallons to like make massive batches of sauerkraut. I still couldn't keep up. So anyway, my, now what we do when we need to, when, when we go on like a sauerkraut binge, you go and you just get, you just got to like check the label at the store to make sure that it's not pasteurized and make sure that it says live active cultures. Yeah. And that, that will be a, a like, that's real sauerkraut. It's fermented. That's a good tip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now what do I love from a scientific perspective? Like that's like the story, but what do I love about sauerkraut? This, the science. Okay. So fermentation is transformation. Mm-hmm. That's the way to think about it. Fermentation is transformation. And you are taking your food and it starts so powerfully to begin with. Cabbage is already probably one of the 10 healthiest foods that exists. And you're making it better. Yeah. And what is what blows my mind and I absolutely adore about this process is that there is nothing hard or special about what you do. It is literally three ingredients, three ingredients, mm-hmm. cabbage, salt, sea salt, and water. Mm-hmm. The water has to be free of chlorine because the chlorine will kill the bacteria. Yeah. So, but basically cabbage, salt, and water and what I love is that the cabbage has the bacteria living on the leaf. The bacteria are already there. You yeah. don't need to add a probiotic. It's so special. You just put it into a jar. The process, by the way, is all defined out in the book. It's not that hard to do, but basically you put it into your jar and you give it like at least a week, but ideally a little bit more. And these bacteria will transform it and they will bring out new vitamins Mm -hmm. that you didn't have there before they will bring out new types of fiber we talked before about how diversity of plants is the key this is like adding new diversity to your diet because you're getting new types of fiber yeah and cabbage contains these cancer fighting phytochemicals called, called glucosinolates they will actually activate the glucosinolates they will actually activate it, the, the, the bacteria will. Normally, you need to activate it within your gut. It's your gut bacteria that activate the glucosinolate. Right. In this case, it's the bacteria inside the jar that are doing it for you. So it comes ready to go. Nature is just like so unbelievable sometimes, you know? It's awesome. It really and is. I, 
I have like this massive jar of sauerkraut that I'm just like patiently, patiently, patiently waiting for on my counter right now, which I'm excited about. I'm always throwing a bunch of spices and stuff into it based on like what I'm trying to make with it from like a cooking perspective. Do you use purple or green uh, cabbage when you make it? Um, all right. So I personally enjoy the flavor slightly more of green. Mm. Okay. Um, it's hard for me to put my finger on what that is that's different, but it's a little bit different. But okay. with that said, the purple cabbage, the purple color comes from the anthocyanins, mm-hmm. which are also cancer fighting. Mm. Okay. And the great for your brain, that's the same ones that you'll find in berries like blueberries. And so I usually will still, even though I like the flavor green a little bit more, I, I will usually opt for purple for those added health benefits. Cool. That's a really, really good tip. I'm definitely going to leave that in the show notes for sure. So moving through like just a couple more things and then we'll move on to another topic. Um, what about, I got hundreds of questions about probiotic pills. Literally everyone hears gut health and the first thing they think is probiotic pills. So in your opinion, do you think that people should be taking probiotic pills? Most people not. Okay. Um, I don't, I, you know, could have whatever I could, get tons of probiotics for free and I don't take them because I, I don't think that there's a need when you are completely healthy. Yeah. Um, what are you trying to accomplish with the probiotic? Right. The, there is a place for probiotics in people who have digestive issues. Okay. We do have studies that show probiotics can be beneficial in people that have gas, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, irritable bowel syndrome, ulcerative colitis, and something called pouchitis. Okay. So there, there is some evidence of probiotics for gut health, but the idea that probiotics are the foundation of gut health is that that's completely manufactured. Right. And that's a, that's a hype machine. That's a marketing machine. Oh, totally. Like, I mean, and for, I mean, this is a perfect example of it. When I mentioned gut health and talking to the gut health MD, the first thing people think of is probiotics, right. Rather than asking about the food and stuff. So it's obviously like so drilled in our brain through marketing that it's like, Oh, what kind of probiotic supplement should I be taking? Which brand is it worth the cost? You know, I got all sorts of questions like that. So that's a good answer. So I'm not, not going to say that there's there's no value to them. I'm not going to say that I don't yeah. recommend them. There are definitely scenarios where I recommend them, but I want people to understand a couple things. Number one, diet and lifestyle clearly come first. You you cannot take a C minus gut and make it an A plus with a probiotic. That is not possible. <laughs> That's a great thing. You can take a C minus gut and make it an A plus though by changing your diet and changing your lifestyle. Yeah. Um, prebiotics come second. Prebiotics are fiber. Mm. All right. I do think there's a place for fiber supplements. I actually take them myself. I, f- I feel better when I take them. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the, the benefit of prebiotics is that like, for example, for you, you have a completely unique gut microbiome. There's no one on the planet with a gut microbiome exactly like you. Mm-hmm. When you take a prebiotic, you are selecting the anti-inflammatory microbes and you're making your own anti-inflammatory microbes stronger. Mm. That's what you're doing. So you're empowering your own anti-inflammatory soldiers, the good guys. That's the beauty of a prebiotic. The problem with a probiotic is this. Again, you have a completely unique gut microbiome. There's no one with a gut microbiome exactly like you. Mm-hmm. And when I come in with a probiotic, I am coming in with this generic formula. 
generic formula. I could give the same formula to any other person and you're going to swallow it and it's going to drop down into your intestine. And then what we're doing is we're just crossing our fingers and we're hoping that somehow this, this generic formula that I just gave you is going to mix with your unique gut microbiome and give you something good. Mm -hmm. Right now, the problem is that a huge percentage of the time it doesn't, and you spend 40 bucks a month on anything that's halfway decent, at least, yeah, and it gets you nowhere. And it gets you nowhere. Meanwhile, you could get a fiber supplement for like 10 bucks a month. Totally, and I can assure you that the fiber supplement will do something because it's going to feed the healthy bacteria that live inside of you, yeah. So, I feel like the hype is outweighing the science. The reality is that the supplement companies are not forced to do studies to prove that what they are selling you actually works. And what they have discovered is, and it's not that I'm like universally anti-supplement, I actually use supplements myself and there's a couple that I like. But what they have discovered is that rather than doing the study, which is expensive and may potentially prove that their thing doesn't do anything, mm -hmm. right? Rather than doing that, it's a lot better. The company bankrupt. They're like, mm, we're good. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make sense, right? To prove that what you have doesn't work. Okay, that oh. doesn't make sense. Yeah. So why not just convince people that it works, whether you have studies to back it up or not? Just convince people that. And that's what marketing is. Marketing is basically using psychology to convince people of something. Yeah. So, um, so that's what they do. And, you know, that's to me, I don't love that. I don't love that. So. Okay. Okay, cool. And then final one, and then I'm going to ask you about something totally different is kombucha. I love kombucha. Um, I think it's great. I feel like this is another example where the hype is outpacing the science because yeah. I feel like people jumped on a bandwagon where the idea is that kombucha by itself will heal your gut. And I just don't think that's true. I think the kombucha is great when you're using that to replace soda. I think that making your own kombucha at home is incredibly fun. Do you, have you ever done that? No, I haven't dipped into that hole yet. You want me to tell you how to do it? It's so easy. Yeah. Okay. Because I think your listeners at home, if you guys, if you don't want to know how to make kombucha, then just fast forward about three minutes. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but I actually, I think it's really cool because we're, it's summertime and summertime is not sauerkraut season. Sauerkraut mm -hmm. season is the fall. Mm -hmm. Summertime is kombucha season. Mm. It's kombucha season. So here's what you do. It's so easy. Okay you you need you need kombucha like unflavored normal kombucha which is fermented tea and you need a scoby yeah a scoby is the mushroom or the disc that floats at the surface okay mm -hmm. now if you if you have a friend who has a scoby they will share with you because any person who makes their own kombucha it keeps making new scobies mm -hmm. And so they will have plenty. Like it, it, I, I, if you lived in Charleston, I would share a scoby with you. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, and you could use that to start your own batch. But basically the process is this. You need kombucha, you need a scoby. All right. All you do literally is you take a gallon jug, you make sweet tea. All right. Black tea. If you want to put some green in there, fine. Black tea with with a cup of sugar, one cup. Okay. And you boil the water, you steep the tea, 
you add the sugar so that it dissolves. You let it cool off. Mm -hmm. Put it into the gallon jug. It's got to be room temperature because you don't want to kill the bacteria. Mm -hmm. Now you add in kombucha. So okay. you basically are adding in, you add in, you know, a smaller volume, eight ounces or, or 12 ounces of, of unflavored natural kombucha that has the bacteria that you need to basically transform this entire batch of sweet tea that you just made. Cool. And you put a SCOBY in there and the SCOBY will float up to the top and then a yeah. new SCOBY will form. All right. So, and that's all you do and you give it, you know, I mean, basically what you want to do is you want to wait typically like five, six, seven days and then start to taste it. It should taste like kombucha in the sense that it should be sour, um, but still some sweetness, like it shouldn't be vinegar. Typically a couple days before it's totally done, you want to do what's called second ferment. All right. So first you make just regular kombucha. And if you like regular kombucha, it's ready to drink. You can drink it. But the really, really fun part is the second ferment where you get bottles, like those bottles that have to latch at the top. Yeah. Okay. And um, you pick out flavors. You can be completely creative. I've never used the recipe for flavors. It's always like I open up my fridge and I'm like, what do I got in here? Okay, cool. Fun. So like you could put um, watermelon in there. You could put berries in there, berries and mints, berries and basil. Lavender. Um, lavender, like whatever flavor you like, vanilla. Mm -hmm. um, you know, sassafras for root beer. Ooh. So yeah. And, and basically you put that into one of these bottles and then you fill it up with kombucha and you close it and you give it typically two or three days That's and awesome. it, will, it will carbonate. It will carbonate. It will naturally carbonate. You're not adding carbonation to it. It will yeah. naturally carbonate because you basically lock the bottle and the bacteria will build up yeah. carbonation. Let it do its thing in there. Yeah, it's so fun. Sorry. That's awesome. Is there yeah. like a temperature where it's too hot? Like for instance, here it gets so hot in the summer. So like, is it? Can it get too hot? On being on the. Yeah, I think I think that like if it's inside your house and it's in the shade, you're good. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Thanks for the tip. I'm gonna write yeah. that out in the show notes too. I'm gonna have to start doing that for sure. So and kombucha, to me, getting back to just like drinking kombucha, I love kombucha. A couple tips though, don't go overboard drinking like the full 16 ounce bottle all at once. Um, what I do is like, I'll get, you know, if I get GTs or whatever, I'll do, bless you. Thanks. I'll do, I'll do like four ounces of kombucha. Yeah. And then I'll add in at least four ounces, if not eight ounces of water. Okay. So you like dilute it a little bit. I know a lot of us, especially out here in San Diego, drink like that Boochcraft, like that boozy, boozy kombucha has gotten like super popular, but I've even noticed if I have two of them, like I don't feel good. Yeah. Really? My stomach is all jacked up. I'm like, wait, this is doing the opposite of what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah. yeah. And kombucha, commercial kombucha does have some alcohol. Yeah. Um, it's very low though. It's an extremely low amount. Yeah, and yeah. if you make it at home, it's possible that you have a little bit more alcohol, but you would never drink kombucha for the purpose of getting intoxicated. Like that wouldn't make sense. Yeah. Unless you live in San Diego, <laughs> there's all the Boochcraft and like June shine. There's like all these different brands now that have boozy, like 8% alcohol kombuchas. So wow. 
Yeah, it's a real nice. thing out here. It's a whole thing. So kind of switching. I So since I have endometriosis, I have a lot of women that follow me that suffer from like hormone problems, like all all over the place. And so I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit um, while we still have a little bit of time just about like the the relationship to gut health and hormone health and how like they kind of work together. And I, I mean, I know at least when my endo symptoms are the worst or when I have like a painful period, my digestive system is so jacked up. And so mm-hmm. I guess that's not even a real question, but I kind of just wanted to talk to you about that a little bit. Um, yeah. So many women have to ask me about that. It's a super important topic. And these things are completely intertwined. Mm-hmm. You know, I see a ton of people who come to my clinic and they also have PCOS or they also have endometriosis or, you know, endometrial hyperplasia, fibroids. Yeah. Um, you know, so the, the gut is intertwined with our hormones. The gut is basically an endocrine organ. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we should think of the gut as being similar to our ovaries or our testicles. And when it comes specifically to estrogen, because with endo, estrogen is the key. Mm -hmm. Endo is a manifestation of estrogen excess. And so um, there is an enzyme produced by our gut microbes called beta-glucuronidase. And the key is that this beta-glucuronidase enzyme, which our gut controls, acts like the dam of a river and you are basically controlling the flow of water through the dam all right so imagine that there's this like backup of water and there's a stream bed down below you want to allow just enough water to pass so that the stream is full but it's not Mm -hmm. flooding right right and with it when it comes to beta glucuronidase that's what this is doing where if you if you have excessive conversion of estrogen the gut has the ability to reactivate estrogen, get it back into the cycle, get it back into the circulation, and that leads to estrogen excess. And that's what's associated with the development of endometriosis. Interesting. The, the counterpoint to this is, and by the way, there are multiple, this is not just endo, there are multiple conditions associated with estrogen excess, endometrial hyperplasia, ovarian cancer, endometrial cancer, breast cancer are all associated with estrogen excess. And it's no coincidence that every single one of those is also connected back to damage to the gut. Wow. The, the counterpoint is polycystic ovary syndrome, mm-hmm. PCOS. PCOS is not necessarily an estrogen deficiency, although in some cases it is. PCOS though is a hormonal imbalance with an excessive androgen to estrogen balance. Androgen are male sex hormones. And there is a bacteria, again, that lives in the gut called Clostridium syndens. Clostridium syndens produces androgens. So the point being that also with polycystic ovary syndrome, studies are suggesting that damage to the gut is part of the process of developing this condition. I'm not sitting here and saying that like 100% of the problem in endo is the gut. Right. Right. Because endo is the existence of endometrial tissue outside of the uterus. Right. Right. What I'm saying though, is that there is the suggestion that the gut is part of the story, part of the equation. They're connected. You can't separate them. 
Wow. That's really interesting. Even in the way that you just described it, because I mean, in my, however many years that I have been dealing with endo, going to doctors, blah, blah, blah. The number one answer would always be to get on like a high estrogen birth control. And so I find that to be really interesting because, and the birth control always made me like so much sicker than I was before the birth control, but that's the only answer anyone ever had. And so yeah, I mean, I intuitively started healing my gut and thinking about my gut and what I was eating because no one was telling me to do that. And I suddenly was healing. Like I was just like, my periods were getting less and less painful and I was able to work. And I just like, I went from being someone so chronically sick and so much pain, taking Percocets all the time for my endo pain to like, fine. And mm-hmm. my focus was food, which is really, you know, really interesting. And that's honestly what led me to you know, finding you in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think, I think that there's tremendous power to a plant-based diet when it comes to rebalancing our gut. And when we rebalance our gut, then this can have positive effects in terms of our hormonal balance and things of this variety. And, you know, I, I think I may have mentioned this to you offline that I have, an, I have a friend who also has endo. Her name is Jessica Renane. And she has a, um, I have to connect you guys. She has a podcast called One Part Plant. Mm-hmm and a book that she wrote. And it's all about her personal struggles with endometriosis. And she came to heal herself with a plant-based diet as well. Yeah. Yeah. She's super inspiring. It's really awesome. Honestly, thanks so much for coming on the podcast again. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, like what is your hope like with your book? And I mean, I know your chapter two, it was, what was it called? Overfed, undernourished and hypermedicated. And I feel like so many of us have been there, are there, have a super close family member that are there. So like, what's your hope for us getting out of this sick care that we're in and moving more towards like being empowered individuals towards our health? I, I, I think that the important um, point from my perspective is to stop thinking ourselves as like the victims of the system or something like that. And to start realizing that, you know, with, with knowledge comes tremendous power. And that can be the power to transform your life, transform your health, accomplish whatever it is that you have in mind as a goal. Like for me, it was weight loss and correcting anxiety and lowering my blood pressure and feeling young again. Yeah. And, and I was successful by healing my gut. Yeah. And so, and I, my, my book is meant to be, so every person who reads my book, I expect is going to have specific words that will jump off the pages at them. And they're going to connect the dots and be like, Oh my gosh, that's me. Yeah. So when you read the book, you get into chapter one and you get into the section where I talk about hormonal balance and I talk about endo and that's going to be a part that you're going to feel very connected to. Right. And then you're going to go on to read about the process of healing your gut. And for you personally, you're going to say, gosh, that makes so much sense. And it helps me to understand my own personal journey Mm -hmm. to where I am today. Yeah. You know, and you're going to see the parts that you were already doing that helped you to heal. And now I'm showing you the science of why that's the case. Right. But then, you know, my hope is that I'm also extending your knowledge in a way where, you know, maybe it's something as simple as making diversity of plants, one of your core dietary philosophies. Mm-hmm. But I want, I, I want to put you in a position where you have the right knowledge to not only continue down the path that's so wonderful that you're already on, but to make it even better. Yeah. You know, and 
So for me, like, I don't know if you knew this about me. I wrote about it the other day on Instagram. I never dreamed of being an author. That was never my wish, but I did dream of being a doctor and being a doctor and having the opportunity to transform thousands of people's lives. That's a dream come true. And that's what my book is. So, um, so for me, this is not like, you know, if I had my way, every person in America would get this and I wouldn't make a dime. And if you gave me that choice versus making a ton of money, but no one reads the book, I would take the first choice for sure. Yeah. And so for me, this is about spreading an idea that I truly believe in and really truly believing that I can transform people's lives by giving them the proper knowledge to empower their health. And then they take it into their own, like people are, um, we all are beautiful in our own way and we all are powerful and have the ability to do amazing things. And that's what I'm hoping to tap into with the energy in the book. Yeah. It's powerful stuff. Let's leave it right there. It's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on, being inspiring, being that light that so much of us need right now and um, being funny as hell in your Instagram <laughs> posts in the process. It's super refreshing. Thank you. That was great to come on. And, um, and I hope you guys will continue to hang with, hang with me on Instagram as the gut health MD on Facebook as the gut health MD come to my website, the plant that guide. I have a COVID-19 guide. I have a research guide that's going up this week that people are going to love. Cool. Um, I'll forward, I'll forward it down to you. I think you'll enjoy it. Awesome. Yeah. And, um, and fiber fields, fiber fields. It's out there. Get out there right now. Grab your copy. I think Amazing. you guys are going to love it. And I want to hear from you, read the book and then hit me up and let's talk about it. Let me yeah. know what you think. Yeah, let's do it. I'll leave all that information in the show notes so you guys have it. And if you know someone that could use information or needs to get in touch with Dr. B, uh, share this episode so we can spread the knowledge. Let's do it. Thanks. All right, guys, that is a wrap on my episode with Dr. B. Thanks so much, Will, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited. Or Fiber Fueled. It is an amazing book. I'm about halfway in and this is a major, major game changer. So if you guys love this episode again, please share with a friend and go ahead and leave us a comment on iTunes. We'd appreciate it so much. And yeah, thanks so much for listening to the Plant Remedy Podcast. If you have any questions at all, send me a DM over on Instagram at chef underscore bay. And uh, yeah, don't forget to eat your greens this week. And of course, all that fiber. I'll see you soon.